You guys awake this morning? I need to send you back to the coffee pot. Y'all know we have free coffee here at Church on the Hill. All your mix-ins that you could want. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of continue where we were. Um, I find it appropriate. It's still trying to describe, trying to get a good picture of the Father. If you look in your bulletins, and I don't have notes, but the title of today's sermon is, Is God a Good Father? You know, I think that we just take it for granted that we would say just coined a coined phrase, yeah, he's a good father. But when we look at the decisions that we make, when we look at do we really rely on God, I believe that maybe we have a different view of that question. It's easy to say the right thing, but what do you really believe? Have you ever thought about that? It's easy to say the right thing. We know the right things to say, but what do you really believe? You know, this is probably not the greatest analogy, but, you know, my kids study in school on tests, standardized tests that are fill in the blank, and they memorize what the answer is, but do they really believe it? Does that make sense? Do they really know it? Or do they really believe it? You know, being able to respond to a test and believing something is two different things. And I can sit here and ask you, what do we celebrate at Christmas? Well, Jesus. Why do we do that? Well, because it was the day we celebrate that he was born. What did he come to do? He came to save us from our sins. You know, we just go through the steps. But do we really accept that? We know the right answer as Christians, but do we really live it? And I just want to ask you this question. Is God a good father? Do, do, uh, you may know the answer, but do you live like you have a good father? Does that make sense? For the past few months, we have looked at the names of God and we have seen that God has a descriptive name for himself that matches every one of our deepest needs. You remember, we've seen God, the healer. We've seen God, uh, the God of peace. Uh, we've seen we've seen so many over the last few months, basically over the year uh, 2009. But it's important that we have an understanding of God because it will affect our every area. And if we have, we saw last week that if we have a misconception of God and the scriptures tell us to try to imitate God, to try to become more like Jesus. Well, if we've got the wrong image of who Jesus is, can you see we can be going down the wrong path? And hearing it and believing it are two different things. Now hang in there with me. If we have the right thing, the right, if we have a misconception of God, we're going to worry about things that we shouldn't worry about. We're going to feel guilty about things that we shouldn't feel guilty about, that God had no intention. And we're going to carry unnecessary burdens and fears and depressions all through life that God never intended for us to carry. Right now, the church is carrying a heavy weight that God never intended for us to carry. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But I think we've got a messed up view. Our understanding of God determines your happiness in life. Not your boss. Not your checkbook. When you get a false conception of God from the movies, from religion, from your parents, from school. If you get any misconception of who God is, you will wind up having unnecessary problems and misery follow you in your life 
You youth, it's important that you grasp who God is now. That we don't live a life messed up. One of the things Jesus came to earth was to show us who God really was. Jesus came and brought revelation to God. That was his intention. You are looking at him the wrong way. Look at him this way. And he shook everyone up. Jesus came and broke up every stereotype that we had of God, that man had of God. He showed us that God's not some impersonal force, not just some energy field in the universe. That he's not some angry tyrant who sets up in heaven to make things miserable for people. People literally think that's what God does. That he's some apathetic creator who winds the world up like a top and just lets it go and just watches it spin. That's not God. In fact, Jesus described God in two words. In Matthew 6, 9, he says, this is how you should pray. Meaning, when you pray to God, this is how you should talk to him. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. God wants you to know him as Father. That doesn't just mean you just pray Heavenly Father or our Father. That means you know him as Father. This is no big deal because we understand or we have been taught for years the fatherhood of God, that God is our Father. But when Jesus spoke it 2,000 years ago, it was radical. It was way out of their box. The hearers must have been so shocked when he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. The entire uh, Old Testament, over a thousand years, God is only referred to as Father seven times. But just in this book, in Matthew, he's referred to seven times. In this, in this chapter, Matthew 6. And in the life of the Gospels, he talks about God the Father 150 times. Everybody say Father. God wants to... God wants you to know that this is how he wants you to relate to him. The good news is that since God is a father, (coughs) we know that he is a person, not just a power. It's very difficult to relate to a power, to a force, to an energy. But when, when Jesus said, God is a father, I can relate to a father. I can be intimate with the father. I can talk to a father. I can have a relationship with a father. That's the good news. The bad news is many of us here have bad relationships with our father. With our earthly father. It brings up painful memories. Rather than it being a happy term. It's a sad term. And an angry term for others. When I say the word father for some of you it stirs up deep resentment. You had a father who was neglectful, abusive, either physically or verbally or mentally. You had a father that just wasn't there. A non-entity in your life. Some of you, when we bring up the word father, it brings up fear. You remember growing up hearing, and you know what? I heard this. Just wait until your father gets home. You know what that does? That, that, That brings fear. I want my kids to be, to can't wait to see daddy come home. I'm not saying that it's wrong. Sometimes the father does have to kind of clean up the mess. That's the father's job. Amen? 
Somebody better do it. I sure don't want the court system or the jail to have to do it. Rather, daddy do it. But I don't want my kids dreading daddy coming home. That's not the father. That's not father God that we see. You think God wants to be dreaded to be seen? But that's the picture that we paint for God the Father. If God is like my father, no thanks, God. I don't need a God like my father. Human fathers can make hell on earth, can make homes. Human fathers can be selfish. They can be demanding. They can be inconsistent. They can be self-centered and abusive. They can be all these things that I would say, I don't want that in my life. Do you know over, over the last week... I've had to come to the realization in myself that I am selfish. I'm not trying to say I'm a bad father. I'm not trying to say I'm a bad husband. But every now and then we need some reality to say, I just think of myself. The good news is God the Father never thinks of himself. He's not selfish at all. He's not selfish at all. He's a good father. Jesus qualified this to say, this is how you should pray. Our father, our father. He said to pray to your heavenly father. And he's not just talking about a place. He's not just talking about the father that's in heaven. He's talking about a heavenly father. He's talking about a quality father. Can you catch that? Not an earthly father. Your heavenly father. <clears throat> He's a heavenly father as opposed to an earthly father. Very different from human fathers. In the first place, he's perfect. We're not perfect, fathers. I'm not perfect. We're imperfect. We make mistakes. We blow it. But God has never blown it. Never. He is unlike us. He's at a higher plane. We say, our father in heaven or our heavenly father. And I've noticed over my lifetime, that there have been so many misconceptions of who God is. And I want us to look at four misconceptions today. That's all we're going to get, be able to get through today. Misconceptions about God. Four categories. And I have no doubt that many of you here today have been deluded by one of these myths. For instance, some of you, when you think about God, you think that God is unreasonable. And the reason you don't want to get to know God is because he puts all these unreasonable demands on your life that you could never live up to. All he wants to do is make your life tough, put rules and regulations and restrictions. You know, he wants to remove all the fun. You know, people think right now, I'm not going to become a Christian. I'm not going to go to church because I still want to have fun. I'm not going to rededicate my life because I'm too busy having fun. Who do you think created fun? Remember now, the world nor Satan created anything. God's the creator. God's the creator. He's created fun. God knows how to really have fun. I don't think we really have a concept of fun. I think one day we're going to get to heaven and realize what fun really can be. Give all those emotions. You know, basically get to the point of not being able to contain yourself. Literally. Being so full of joy that you can't 
control yourself. Unstoppable. Unspeakable. Did y'all catch that? Unspeakable joy. We're not experiencing that because we've got a messed up view of what joy is. We think he's unreasonable, wants to remove our happiness, that he's some kind of cosmic killjoy, and he's unreasonable. So that the reason we feel the way, it's no wonder we don't want to get to know God. Who wants to get to know God who's unreasonable and too demanding? Others of you feel like that God is unreliable. I want you to try to catch a connection here, because most of the time that we have these feelings, it's the feelings that we have toward our own father. Others of you don't, it's always hard for me to talk about fathers because I say all these negative things and here's my dad sitting over there. He doesn't, he's not this way at all. He's reliable. He's reasonable. He's demanding, but he's reasonable. (laughs) But it's the reason that we feel hurt. We feel like it's unreliable. It's an interesting characteristic of human behavior. When somebody hurts us, not only do we blame that person, but we blame God. If you've been attacked or you've been put down or abused or mad at your attacker, you also get mad at God. What do you say? God, why did you allow this? Many of you are here today and having a problem with God because you've never dealt with resentment in your heart because you're blaming God for the bad things that happened to you. Why did this happen, God? If that's the kind of God you are, no thanks. You resist because you think he's not reasonable, that he's unreliable. I can't trust him. And when you've been hurt, and a lot of you say, I'm not going to trust anybody. And I'm certainly not going to trust God. But you've never thought about why God allowed that hurt. Can we stop there just for a second? This, this This is a deep question. Why, God, did you allow that hurt? You know, God gave us the freedom to choose. Did you know that every one of us has a freedom to choose. It's one of the greatest gifts that God gave to us. He could have made you a puppet to do everything that he wanted, but he did not. He made you, he gave you the choice to choose. He wants you to choose him. He could make you to only do good. God could have kept you from hurting people by taking away their freedom to choose, but he didn't. And because he's given us this freedom to choose, people make the wrong decision and hurt other people, not God. God's given us the right to choose. God could have taken that freedom away. But if he had taken away the freedom of somebody to hurt you, he would have had to have taken away your freedom too. Your freedom. We always focus on how people have hurt us. Have you ever stopped to think about how you have hurt other people? And God never stopped you. You've hurt so many people out of your own selfishness and self-centeredness. And we blame God for our hurts as if he caused it all. God didn't cause it. People did. He allowed it because he allowed the freedom of choice in the world. And he wants you to choose what is good. He wants you to choose him. He so desires your choice. You know, I think that that's where we need to be at Christmas. Is our choice. The greatest gift we could give him is our choice. What are we choosing? Where really is our heart? Others of you are concerned. Others of you feel like he's unreasonable. He's unreliable. I said it. 
but that he's also unconcerned. And I'm almost done. Yeah, I believe there's a God, but he's just too busy to bother with me. You know what? As a pastor, this is still hard to hard to really believe that God is thinking of me. Even the more I get to know him, the more I read that in, 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 in scripture, it says that the God of heaven, the God, creator of all is thinking of me. Who am I that you are thinking of me? That Jesus at the right hand of the father is making intercession for me. It really is hard to grasp. Any, are, are you with me? The God of heaven is thinking of each and every one of us. We feel like, how could he possibly be interested in me? He's got big things to worry about, like the universe. How could he be concerned with my job, my kids, my family, my career, my school, my education, my boyfriend? The ability to buy Christmas presents. To have Christmas dinner. You know, this is such a time of need and we think God's so big that we don't get with God and ask him to provide for us. Where he's the only hope. My hope is in you. We sing the song, but when do we grasp that? This is the time of, of need. Christmas is a time of need. Full provision was made at Christmas because of our need. It's not wrong to need. God wants us to need. And out of our need, we choose him. God doesn't want you to have needs. He wants to provide those needs. But when we start looking in the wrong direction, he wants to bring you back to where you need him. He loves us so much that he brings us sometimes on paths that we normally wouldn't choose because we wouldn't choose him. He's got to line us back up with him to where we have a need. The prodigal had a need. He thought he didn't. He was given everything, went away, squandered it all and realized, uh, that wasn't what that wasn't my provision that wasn't my fulfillment i need the father uh, and and you know the, the the son knew the father but he didn't know him well enough so he thought will my daddy take me back do you see how we have the wrong image of father unconcerned too big things are so petty god's not couldn't be concerned with that you know, it's like the Bette Midler song. God is watching us from a distance. No. He is Emmanuel. God with us. We are the vessel that he fills. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one just like the son that has filled us. He's not at a distance. He is with us. He is omnipresent. He is here. Emmanuel. God is here. Again, your, our minds want to just explode. God is here. God is here. Then finally, the last one, the fourth misconception is that God is unpleasable. I can't do enough. If I make B's, if I make C's, God wants B's. If I make B's, God wants A's. If I make A's, God wants straight A's. If I make, it, what, I can't do enough. You know, I had to have a sit down with my child this week and say, I really want to know this. Do you feel like that you can't please me? Because it's one of my drawbacks of my personality 
is that I rarely stop to celebrate where we are now. I'm always looking where we're going. And that's a real negative to the team. It's a real negative to the team to not stop for a minute and say, great job. You have done a great job. Pastor Stephen, every week, day in and day out, does a great job. And when do I ever say it? Never. I never say it. My wife stepped on staff with us and we just had all kinds of disaster to happen. And she is doing a great job. My secretary, we lost our, our worship minister and my secretary broke her arm the next day. Can't even put folders in a file. Glory be to God. Somebody help me. She is doing, she's doing a great job. But you know what? Because I'm always pushing, the response has been, I can't ever please him. Same thing with my kids. I pushed and I pushed and I finally said, do you think you can please me? And you know what the answer was? Yeah, I do. But we know the right answer. But I don't think it was the real answer. I think the real answer would be, no, I really don't think I can please you. And I think that that's where we are sometimes with God. I can't please you. What? We can't please ourselves. We can't do enough to please ourselves. And I think that a lot of times that we take the weaknesses of our parents and enforce them onto God. If you grew up with unpleasable parents, you think that God's unpleasable. If you grew up with an aloof father, you think that God is an aloof father and so forth. Whatever your parent was like, you tend to push on God. Over the next few weeks, I want us to take a moment and try to open up our mind and take all of the concepts that we've had about God. Do you remember? It was... a. Uh, it was Wednesday night that we were talking about the, the man's position of the authority of marriage and the woman's position. The man's position is a position of sacrifice. The woman's position is a position of submission. But we were so messed up just with those words that we want to close up. And same thing with your conceptions of God, your misconceptions, that we just press the delete button and start all over. Try real hard to just say, okay, God, I do have all these images and I've been, we've been programmed. The world's programmed you. Your parents have programmed you. The schools have programmed you. And the church has programmed you. And it's time that we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us truth. And I want to ask you over the next few weeks, hit the delete button. Say, you know what? Let me try to have another image of you, God. The correct image. We are desiring to become an Acts church. We are desiring to become more like Jesus Christ. Well, it's important that we get the right picture. But you're not going to get the right picture if you don't lay these, these conceptions of who God is. We're going to look at what God says about himself in the Bible. That God says he is the truth that has set you free. And the Bible says that he is very, very different than the way the world portrays him. So I want us to end right here. What is God? What does the Bible say God is really like? That's where we're going to start. Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. It's time for a new image. It's time for a correct image.